Do you hear that? The sound of your closet door slowly opening. This world is a strange one. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there and keep up the great work. While this video isn't exactly father related, but any father or any person for that matter knows how creepy a closet can be. They are small rooms where we place our clothes and other things. But hearing your closet door open at night is impossibly terrifying. So let's see what happens when closets become the places of real life horror. But first, check out patreon.com slash darkness prevails to see how to unlock hours of bonus episodes. Also, are you a security guard? I'd love to hear your creepiest experience on the job and put it in a future video. Just send me your stories at darknessprevails.org. Now, what secrets hide in your closet? Number one, Breathe. Submitted by Rowan C. I had this experience when I was seven years old. I'm 14 now. The experience is still clear as day in my brain, and I've thought about it countless times since then, wondering what exactly happened to me that day. I was visited by something or someone. At the time, I slept in my parents' room as we were renting part of the house out to get some extra money. My older brother took over my room. The roommate stayed in my brother's room, leaving me to sleep in my mother and father's oddly large closet. We lived in a large two-story house at the time, and I was a small child, so a small bed and my few things fit inside this large closet with ease. It was late at night, possibly almost midnight, and I was having a lot of trouble sleeping, considering we had some fun things planned for the next day. So I laid there quietly, trying my best to go to sleep. As my eyes began to droop, I felt very cold despite the hot summer night, and the blankets were up to my neck. I thought that maybe my mom or brother had turned on the AC, since both of them were both still up and downstairs in the living room. The cold gave me goosebumps, and I couldn't help but shiver, getting colder by the second. Now this was bizarre, because the AC had never made me shiver before. It had never been this cold in the house, so I was beginning to get confused as to how it got that cold. I tried my best to ignore the cold atmosphere. Then I realized that I wasn't hearing the AC. This made me anxious, because anywhere you go in the house when the AC is on, you can hear the buzz of it working. This really struck anxiety into me. I tried to brush it off, tried to ignore it, tried to explain it away, but I couldn't. And only moments later, I began to hear little huffing sounds by my ear, and the rush of air that came with it was even colder than the air around me, and it carried a putrid smell. Something or someone was breathing on me. I shut my eyes tight, and I couldn't stop myself from whimpering. I tried not to tremble in fear as the small huffing continued. The huffing continued to get closer by the second. I wanted to scream, I wanted to cry louder, but I didn't. I stayed quiet, and I tried not to let myself get too worked up, considering I'm a pretty anxious guy. Just as I thought the huffs had stopped, 
I then heard very clear, very audible breathing. It sounded like whoever or whatever it was was no longer trying to conceal its breathing. It was louder now, as if it wanted to be heard. Normally, children would quickly bury themselves under the covers. I was never quite the normal child. I'm not saying I was crazy, just unique. So instead, I kept my eyes tight shut and my body tensed. If I had to try to place the sound, the breathing sounded like that of a little girl's. Maybe four or five years old, I felt it still on my ear, and I smelt that putrid odor once more. The breathing was slow and heavy, but loud and clear. All while this happened, I was panicking inside. My inner voice was screaming, crying, begging me to try to call out for help, but I couldn't make a sound, not even a whimper. So I lay there in silence, in the dark, tears streaming down my face. It was the most horrifying moment of my life. After what felt like centuries, the breathing finally stopped. And as soon as it did, the room began to warm up again. And soon I felt safe enough to slowly open my eyes and sit up in bed. I looked around the walk-in closet, but everything was still so dark. So I slowly crawled to the foot of the bed then I reached for the light switch. I turned the light on and looked around the small closet. I didn't see a thing, so I stood up and slowly looked under my bed, and to my relief, there was no one there. I decided to tell my mom. I cautiously opened the door and turned off my light, and I began to creep out into my parents' room. My dad was snoring on the bed, the covers were at his feet, and I wondered, how is daddy not cold? I stared at his sleeping figure for a while before quickly shuffling out of the room. I crept down the steps and walked up to my mom and older brother. She saw me then asked, honey, why are you awake? I hesitated thinking over my words carefully, but I decided to come straight out with it. There was breathing in my ear, mom. It sounded like a little girl. I said to her, my look of anxiety from before returning at the memory of the smell, the feel, and the sound of those breaths. My brother, who was 12 or 13 at the time, just rolled his eyes and said, it's just your imagination, stupid. I glared at him, almost raising my voice. I didn't imagine it. I heard it. I could even smell it. I felt it right in my ear. Did you guys not feel how cold it got? Now I was panicking. I was worried that they wouldn't believe me. My mother calmed me down, muttering to my brother to be quiet. Then she looked at me. It's summer, sweetheart, and the AC isn't even running, she said softly, smiling, thinking that that would make me feel better. I didn't have it. I was upset. They didn't believe me, and thinking back on it, I realized not too many people would believe a seven-year-old at 12 in the morning. Never since then, I've had a curiosity with the paranormal. Every chance I got when I was on the internet, I would research different spirits and look up different clips and movies that I could find. But nothing I've ever heard or read was more chilling than what I experienced. But of course they wouldn't be. I was seven, an extremely anxious child, and it happened to me. I wasn't just reading or hearing about it. I experienced it and I never doubted it was real for a second. And yes, I've heard of sleep paralysis, 
and that wasn't this. I could very easily move during the experience. Before I heard the huffing, I had tossed and turned for a bit, and that was all while the cold air got colder by the second. I know this was no hallucination. Sometimes I wonder though, who was this little girl? And why did she only visit me? And was I wrong? Was she even a little girl at all? I'll always have these questions, since I don't think I'll ever have any answers. Though deep down, I feel like maybe I don't want to know. Because something tells me the truth could be so chilling that I wouldn't be able to breathe. Number two, Paranormal Occurrences, submitted by Cheyenne. In my life, I've had a few paranormal experiences. Most were small and minor things, like lights flickering, things falling over, or items being lost then found in odd places. But I've had three experiences that left me scarred forever. The first one I had was when I was around nine or 10 years old. We had moved into this house near an abandoned train track and a warehouse of some sort. This house always had an eerie kind of vibe to it. Well, it was just to me, I guess, because no one else in the house ever felt that way. We've only lived in this house for a few months when the experience took place, and before the experience, nothing really happened. The only really strange things at the time were the fact that my bedroom door had nails in it, as if someone were trying to trap themselves in my room or keep someone out. Plus, there was this weird rope that swung on the tree in the backyard. It was cut at a point, so I always guessed that a tire swing had been hung there. Anyway, it was on a normal school night. I had a set bedtime, and it was time for me to go to bed. Like most children, I hated the dark, so I'd have the TV on until I fell asleep, or I'd at least have the radio going. The radio helped as well because music calmed me down. On this particular night, however, I hadn't done as I was told. I hadn't cleaned up my bedroom earlier, so the privilege of having the TV or radio on at night was taken away for a while. So I tried to fall asleep that night, but I couldn't. I was only in bed for a few minutes, completely wide awake, when I suddenly and very clearly heard the creaking of my closet door beginning to open. I thought nothing of it, thinking that it was my cat, Magic, that is, until I remembered that I hadn't brought Magic with me into my room this night. It continued to creak open, terribly slow. I scared myself a little bit and threw the covers over my head, and I squeezed my eyes shut. Then I heard the closet door slam open, and something run under my bed. It didn't sound big, but it wasn't small either. In seconds after I heard it crawl under my bed, something began to push on the mattresses below me. It was pushing me hard and violently, as if it was trying to knock me off my bed. Somehow, the closet door continued to creak open and shut, over and over, louder and louder. Then my bed began to shake like crazy, now it felt like someone or something was on my bed, jumping up and down as hard as they could. And needless to say, I was beyond terrified at this point. As I lay there shaking and crying, this experience lasted a good five minutes, but it felt like hours. 
I laid still for a few more moments before working up the courage to pull the covers down from my face and sit up. The moment I did, I looked around the room. It wasn't as dark anymore as my eyes had adapted to the darkness and I felt more calm. There was nothing in my room and everything was quiet again. I looked over at my bedroom door. There's a small hole in it where a deadbolt lock used to be. My dad took it off because I kept locking it. Now, when I looked over to this hole, mind you, the hall light was on and all I could see was the outline of a person. It was like a shadow. This shadowy thing was staring at me, then turned to the door to the left of mine and disappeared into it. My heart jumped and sank into my stomach. The door next to my bedroom leads to the attic. The scariest part about that is the fact that there has been a master lock on that door since we had moved in, so none of us knew what was beyond it. Fortunately, we moved out of that house because of rent problems. This brings me to my second encounter I had. This happened just two years ago. In October, I was 18 years old, and I had a boyfriend named Craig. It was a pretty normal day, so we hung out with my friend Heather. Later that night when we were parting ways, just after Heather left, Craig pulled me to the side and told me he had to tell me something. He said that that night he saw something behind Heather, something like a shadow of a man, no features, just an outline filled in. This scared the hell out of me. It was too similar to the experience from my closet that one night, and I was worried that something had followed me from that old house. He told me he had an idea. The next time we all hanged out, Craig brought this cross necklace with him and gave it to Heather to wear. She was suspicious of the sudden gift, but Craig said to consider it an early birthday present. Even still, she wouldn't wear it, and I tried my best to convince her to wear the necklace, but she still required a reason but I felt I had no other choice than to just come out with it. So I told her what Craig was trying to do. I told her about the shadow thing Craig said he saw. She rolled her eyes and left. However, just an hour or so after I told Heather Craig's plan, I received a text from Craig. He was panicky, very flustered and shaken up. He said that things were happening at his house all of a sudden. When he got home, all the birds were let out of their cages. Things were suddenly falling over when he walked past, and he says he swore the walls were beginning to shake. He then told me he felt like he was going to pass out. After he said that, he didn't answer again for 10 minutes, and I was freaking out the whole time. Luckily, eventually, I did get another message, but when I read it, my heart sank. It read, Craig isn't here. I looked at it, then I replied that that wasn't funny. Suddenly, one after the other, I received 49 messages telling me the same thing over and over again. Craig isn't here, Craig isn't here. I was so scared I was shaking, and I replied, what do you want? But there was no reply. I stared at my phone out of nowhere, expecting a message back at any second. All was too quiet when I suddenly heard something that sent chills down my spine. My bedroom's closet door was opening. Before it could open all the way, I ran over to it and blocked it with a chair in my room. I tossed my phone onto the side table. I lay there for hours, 
until eventually I fell asleep. When I next saw Craig again, we looked at each other's text conversations, but apparently Craig's texts had been wiped clean and all my phone would show were my texts back to him. It was odd and it was very, very creepy. And finally, my last encounter. This one didn't scare me as much as it made me angry. This spirit or entity or whatever, it had my blood boiling and it happened only a few months ago. Craig and I had moved in together at an apartment plaza. We were having a baby and I had just had a C-section to bring our little girl into the world. Things were really looking up. It was our first place, so the apartment was small, but it was quiet and nothing strange or terrible had really happened there. However, that was until I came back home from the hospital. It seemed like the moment we came back in, the atmosphere in the home became very eerie and I felt like someone was there with us especially on the second floor, in our bedroom, specifically that freaking closet. Every time we'd bring our daughter upstairs to sleep, she wouldn't sleep. Instead, she'd fuss and cry and be inconsolable. It didn't take long for me to notice that she would stare at the closet door in my bedroom and her face would contort with fear and confusion before, of course, erupting into tears. Whatever she would see, it would make her cry harder and louder. One night in particular, I'd gotten my daughter to fall asleep in my arms downstairs. Craig and I brought her upstairs quietly and I laid her carefully down on the bed. As soon as her little head hit the pillow, she woke up and was wide awake. That scared me, especially when her little eyes wandered right over to the closet door. I could see her face build up with fear she was staring directly at the door and she began to wail. Then something happened. Her leg lifted a bit in the air and she was dragged to the side of the bed. All at once, I jumped to her and grabbed a hold of my daughter. I pulled her close to me hard, crying. I looked over to Craig and told him to grab the pillows and blankets. We ran downstairs and the moment we did, our daughter was immediately calm. I sat down on the couch and rocked her to sleep. And for the rest of our time in that apartment, we did not sleep in that bedroom again. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. 
Number 3. The School of Horrors. Submitted by Sophia G. I had just enrolled in a new charter school in California. I'd left all of my old friends behind in Colorado, so it was an emotional time for me. The bright side, though, was that we were going to be closer to our family, and soon I would make new friends. When I first arrived at my new school, lots of people right away would warn me about the dark corner of the hallway on the third floor. There was a story behind this. Supposedly, there was a student who was repeatedly bullied, and on the day of prom, he was forced and locked into the closet by some of the jock football players. On that same day, there was a fire on the third floor, and the student burned to death. That story always gave me chills, but I always thought it was some tall tale or ghost story to tell the new kids. Well, my locker was on the third floor, which was just a recipe for disaster. I'd made several new friends already. My first hour class was on the first floor of the school, and none of my friends were in this class because they had study hall. So before class started, I had to go upstairs to my locker, and my friend Alondra accompanied me, since our lockers are right next to each other. And right down the same hallway was that dark corridor, the one that we were always warned about. As soon as she saw it, and probably because we were alone in the hallway, Alondra dared me to go into the dark closet and stay in there for five minutes. I just rolled my eyes and said, no, we gotta go to class. She pressured me, saying that we had plenty of time. Then she pulled out a $10 bill, betting me that I couldn't do it. As a student desperate for money, I entered the closet. This is where the horror begins. I stood there in the closet, and my nose was immediately welcomed with the smell of rotting and burnt things. I swear the moment I walked in there, I could smell burnt skin or flesh. The odor was so strong that I almost threw up. I could barely hold back my gag reflex. I switched on the lights when I eventually found them, but the moment they turned on, they flickered back off. The moment that happened, I thought, screw this, it's not worth $10, and I tried to open the door to get back out, but the door would not budge, as if some bulky person was leaning on the door from the outside. I tried to scream, but I was petrified. I tried the doorknob again, but was stung by a hot feeling. The closet began to get hotter and hotter by the second. I soon felt sweat dripping from my body. It was like I was in a sauna, and the temperature was still rising. Just as I was beginning to think I wouldn't make it out of this room, Alondra opened the closet door, and everything went back to normal. Alondra stood there, seeing me drenched in sweat all over with this look of terror in my eyes. That was easily the scariest encounter in my whole life. Immediately after, I requested to switch lockers to the first floor, and luckily they granted my request, and I never went back to that hallway again. And from now on I know if something doesn't feel right, it probably isn't right, and I should always trust my gut instinct. Number four, The Call, submitted by Anonymous. My brother and I work for our local police department. I'm a field training officer for the Law Enforcement Explorer Program, 
while my brother is a community service officer for the department. Honestly, we love what we do, and don't get me wrong, there are always ups and downs to any job, but what happened on this particular day, we'll never forget. It was a very quiet Thursday morning. My brother had joined me in a squad car, Unit 20, as we were driving down an older neighborhood. We were in the middle of having a conversation about me leaving to join the Marine Corps and him possibly going to the police academy when we suddenly heard an officer from dispatch through the radio. 707, respond to a 1015, a civic disturbance. At 2234 Columbus Avenue, I decided to inquire about the call since we were nearby. Apparently, a realtor was showing a house to a couple. When they looked into a closet, they found a woman with black hair and a white nightgown. She laid there covering her face, crying in the corner. It really freaked them out. Chills were sent down my spine and my brother's when we heard it, and we looked at each other in shock. Only one other officer was on his way, so we decided to give him some backup to make sure everything was in check. We met the officer at the house, and the realtor told us that she was still in there. In fact, when we walked up, we could very clearly hear the crying coming from the house. And again, more chills went down my spine. We began to search the house, every room, the attic, even the closet she was supposedly in. Yet all of the doors were secured and locked and no one was in the house. We looked for points of forced entry because transients, the homeless, usually break into houses like these to get some temporary shelter. We searched the outside and around the neighborhood, but no one matched the description. We came back to the apartment and broke the news that she wasn't there. Then before we left, we said to give us another call if they happened to see her again. We were wrapping things up and I was about to climb back in the squad car when I looked at the window. Clear as day, I see the woman standing there. I couldn't see her face as her hair was long and blocking it. And when I turned to my brother to tell him, I turned back and she was gone. Instead of going back in as I should have as part of the law enforcement, we simply drove away. I've seen a lot happen in the four years I've been with the police department, but I've never seen or been to a ghost call like that. To all my brothers and sisters in blue, be safe out there and don't ever go alone to suspicious calls like that one. I don't know who that lady was or what her intentions were, but I'm sure the couple the realtor was showing the house to won't be moving in anytime soon. And number five, Crazy Aunt Agatha's Closet, submitted by Rain D. My great-grandmother came to America from Cornwall, a city on the very southern tip of England during the early 1910s. She eventually settled in rural Arkansas. There, she finished out her teen years and married her husband, a semi-wealthy proprietor of a local brewery. It's not in existence anymore, but back then everyone knew of Clax Brew from Camden, Arkansas. Together, they had three children, the oldest being my great aunt Agatha, followed by my great aunt Belle, and finally the youngest, my grandfather Iva, whom they playfully nicknamed Buddy. Agatha was older than her other two siblings, by what I'm guessing was 15 years, 
I am told that Agatha greatly resented this because she felt obligated to help raise her brother and sister, meaning she didn't get a chance to marry until she was in her mid or late 20s, which for that day and age was rather uncommon. After my great-grandfather had died, my great-grandmother, great-aunt Belle, and my grandfather Iva all moved to the city of Mobile, Alabama. But my great-aunt Agatha opted to stay behind to live in the house she was born in. Now, as far back as I can personally remember, every Christmas and summer, we'd make the trek up to Camden to visit Aunt Agatha in the old house. My aunt and grandfather called it the old home place, which was basically all I knew it as. I remember all of the really nice antiques all over this old two-story farmhouse, cast iron pots and skillets, old china dolls and Victorian plates, old clothing irons that you had to heat up on the stove in order to use. And I also very clearly remember the creepiest closet in the cellar. I found it all very historic and lovely. Over the years, I noticed that Aunt Agatha lived alone, no husband or children, and I began to think that she was lonely. I mean, she didn't even have a cat or anything to keep her company. The more I thought about it, the whole thing became rather unnerving, so I did my best to put it out of my mind. One summer while we were visiting, I asked her, Auntie, why did you never marry? She was silent for a while, poured me a glass of lemonade, and said, I had a husband once, but he left. I guess I wasn't enough for him. She looked really sad at that point, and I apologized for asking. Later that summer, she began to act really strange. My Aunt Belle and grandfather started to talk about how her mind was beginning to go. Come Christmas, it was obvious that she had Alzheimer's. She would pace back and forth in the hallway connected to the cellar. Then she would ramble things like, the baby, what about the baby? Crying, the baby's crying in the closet. The closet. I woke up one night at her house to go to the bathroom and I saw her in the hallway with a knife, staring me down with those cold, dead eyes. I froze dead in my tracks and nearly peed myself as she came at me with a knife. And as she approached, she let out this otherworldly hiss. I ran screaming to my grandpa who took care of it. I'm not sure how exactly. Soon my Aunt Belle moved in to help take care of Agatha, and within a few years, Agatha passed away. We ended up staying at Old Home Place while we attended her funeral. I remember thinking how spooky her house was now. She'd scratched things into the wall, and there were bodily fluid stains from where she'd thrown her own mess at the walls. She had even thrown it at Aunt Belle and the nurses on occasion. After the funeral, we all went back to Mobile, and not much was spoken of Aunt Agatha. I sometimes talked about all of us just moving to the old home place, because hey, it was a free house, right? But neither my great-grandmother or anyone else wanted to deal with the mess of it all. When I was 18, great-grandmother passed away, and we buried her next to her late husband in Camden. Of course, we stayed in the old home place once again, this time for a whole week after the funeral. My Aunt Belle had decided that they'd best clean it up and finally make it somewhat livable, maybe even rent it out. During this stay, I was tasked with cleaning the thick layer of dust off of everything. Yeah, it wasn't a super fun job to say the least, but I got to keep a few of the trinkets that I liked, so it wasn't all bad. While I was cleaning that day, I turned down the hallway and I noticed the cellar door, and almost without thinking, I went to try and open it. I'd never been down there before, in all the Christmas and summers that I'd spent here, 
and I was suddenly stricken with curiosity. However, I found myself disappointed to find the door locked. I never thought I'd find a key in a house this big, so I forgot about it until a few days later, while my mom, grandpa, and aunt were out grabbing lunch. If you don't know, Arkansas has a few restaurants that are really great, and there's one place called Burgermeister that has a bacon cheeseburger to die for. Anyway, while they were out, I was picking through drawers in the kitchen, packing silverware and plates away, and I almost threw out an old iron key that I'd picked up into one of the old boxes. Then it hit me that this old key might be the key to the cellar. Excited, I immediately got up and went to go try the key on the old door, and luckily, it turned. My heart jumped as the lock clicked, and with a gentle push, the door slid open. The hinges let out a horrible creak, and I almost chickened out. Oh, come on, you're 18, I told myself. There's nothing down there that can hurt you. I fumbled for a light switch on either side of the door. Finally, I found a pull chain in the darkness, and a dim hanging bulb lit the small cellar. It was about the size of a small walk-in closet, filled with boxes and stacks of newspapers from long before I was born. I almost turned around until something caught my eye a closet on the far left side of the room. I felt compelled to walk over and open it, and when I did, I was almost knocked back by all the dust, the smell of mold and must that filled the little closet. I looked in the dark closet and saw what appeared to be an old handbag. It was leather with an old brass clasp. I knelt down and picked it up. The bag had a bit of weight to it, so I brought it into the light of the main cellar and opened it. Inside, there was a lot of silk scarves, moldy, nasty-looking ones. Out of curiosity, I began to unravel them, and then I saw it. Two black eye sockets of a tiny skull looking back at me. I dropped the bag and ran upstairs, both dizzy from shock and disgust. I lost it and puked in the hallway, and then I ran outside to wait for my family to return to tell them what I found. My family surmised that Great Aunt Agatha's husband had left her. She discovered that she was pregnant right after, and either she miscarried or had the baby and killed it to spare herself the trouble or heartbreak of raising the child, the child of a man who had abandoned her. Maybe the baby Agatha had been ranting about when she lost her mind was the skeletal remains hidden away in that closet for decades. My grandfather said after a few hours, I'll take care of this. And together, he and Aunt Belle took the handbag containing the tiny skeleton, and they left. They were gone all night and the next morning when I asked what they'd done with the baby. They said that it was taken care of, and to this day, I'm not really sure what they did with it. Either they dropped it off at the police station or took it off into the vast wooded areas of Arkansas and buried it somewhere. I know that nothing was ever officially reported though. Nothing ever came of it. Protecting the family name was very important to them, apparently more important than a proper burial of a nameless baby. I don't think we'll ever truly know what went down, and they both took the secret to the grave with them. Who knew such tiny and often pointless little rooms could be the scariest places in your house? I don't know about you, but I keep my doors closed. When I see a door just barely open, I can't help but imagine the demon creatures that are peeking through at me. 
the serial killers that wait for me to turn my back for too long. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget to send us your security guard horror stories at darknessprevails.org. Thanks.